following is a vintage broadcasting publication presented by Frank Goss. The following podcast is entitled Dewey's Dumbing Down of the American Children. This series is concentrated on the state of public education in the United States of America. One of the surprising things that we'll begin to see is how the socialists have used teachers' unions, such as the National Education Association, to destroy education. And if you examine the Hydra, the many tentacled monster killed by Hercules, when examining the Hydra, that is the collectivist educational establishment that dominates public schools in America, among the most important tentacles have been the teachers' unions, especially the NEA the National Education Association. Along with other leading unions, the NEA and its affiliates at the state and local level have played a very leading role in transforming American education into the dangerous disaster that it's become. Their extremism has been getting progressively more and more extreme over the past century. But it's not new by any means. We've seen it, but we haven't done anything about it. The destructive role played by the NEA is so serious and so widely understood that in 2004, even then U.S. Secretary of Education Rod Page described the union as a terrorist organization. But in reality, the NEA has done far more damage to the United States than a simple terrorist organization ever could. Consider that terrorists merely kill individuals, even if sometimes in large numbers. And I say merely in a casual manner, but I do realize how serious that is. But the NEA and its allied unions have helped to practically kill a nation, the greatest, freest nation that ever existed. And while terrorists destroy human bodies, the NEA has worked to destroy human minds and human freedom. For at least a century, the NEA, founded in 1857 as a professional association, has barely bothered to conceal its leadership's affinity for communism, collectivism, socialism, humanism, globalism, and all the other dangerous isms that threaten individual liberty. Nor has the Union shied away from the vitriolic attack on the United States. The free market system that we have here, Christianity, the family, or educational freedom. The NEA stands against what America was built upon. Perhaps the most important expose ever written on the NEA was the 1984 book, NEA, Trojan Horse in American Education by Dr. Samuel Blumenfeld. Packed with examples and references, Blumenfeld's book proved that contrary to popular mythology, which holds that NEA's extremism is more recent in phenomenon, the union leaders have been radicalizing teachers against America for well over a century now. And when I mention radicalizing, I am speaking of the movements towards radical ideologies such as Marxist-Leninism and collective ideology. These things are real within the, the rankings of the NEA. Since being overtly taken over by the progressive in the early 20th century, the NEA has subjected its members to an unrelenting hatred of capitalism and an unceasing, uncritical benevolence toward socialism, wrote Blumenfield. And Blumenfield studied this issue in detail. Even before that, it was bad. From 1857 to the present, the NEA has worshipped two gods. Two, Horace Mann, who was a statist, and John Dewey, who was a Marxist socialist. Blumenfield continues, referring to the two most important figures in the hostile takeover of education by the government. By 1900, the NEA, which was lobbying for federal involvement in education, was largely insignificant. Even though there were an estimated half a million public school teachers in the United States at that time, 
The NEA had well under 2,500 members, so it was pretty insignificant at the turn of the 20th century. Once the progressive took firm control, though, it became sort of a ministry of education, seeking to dictate and control education policy nationwide. What they wanted to do was replace liberty with collectivism. Once progressives were totally in control of the NEA leadership, a story detailed in Blumenfeld's book, there was no longer any inhibitions to openly promoting the triumph of collectivism over liberty using the manipulation of the school system. At the annual NEA meeting in 1934, Willard Givens, who would soon become uh, appointed executive secretary over the union, he laid out an agenda. Many drastic changes must be made, he declared. The dying laissez-faire must be completely destroyed. And all of us, including the owners, must be subjected to a large degree of social control. The major function of the school is the social orientation of the individual. It must seek to give him understanding of the transition to the new social order. He also called for nationalization of all sorts of industries to be operated for the benefit, of course, of the people. Of course, socialist and humanist ex-educational reformer John Dewey had been advocating the emergence of a new social order. Socialist, of course, in orientation since at least the early years of the 20th century. And in 1932, Dewey, almost universally regarded as the founding father of American public education, became an honorary or became the honorary president for life of the NEA. The very next year, Dewey and some of his cohorts would draft and sign the first Humanist Manifesto, a bizarre religious document brazenly rejecting God while shamelessly embracing collectivism and socialism, or Marxism. This totalitarian religion would eventually be advanced throughout America in de-Christianizing public schools. Dewey, who visited the Soviet Union and wrote many articles extolling the brutal tyranny's supposed virtues, was interested in education primarily to promote his totalitarian ideology of pragmatism and his pseudo-theology. And even though he was adamant that Christianity must not be taught in schools, he was totally fine with religion, his religion, in the classroom. In fact, he believed it was essential to creating the new social order. He said, our schools are performing an infinitely significant religious work in 1907 in an essay entitled Religion and Our Schools. They're promoting the social unity out of which, in the end, genuine religious unity must grow. Dogmatic beliefs, we see, are disappearing. It is the part of men to work for the transformation of all practical instrumentalities of education till they are in harmony with all of these ideas. From the 1920s onward, this sort of religious nonsense, this sort of political and educational nonsense and propaganda from John Dewey filled the pages of the National Education Association Journal. Among other ideas, John Dewey's writing in the NEA's flagship publication, which reached more teachers than any other, constantly extolled the virtues of collectivism and the mass-murdering Soviet system while demonizing the United States and its traditional American education. Dewey was especially warm to the Soviet indoctrination program masquerading as an educational system. His essays in the NEA Journal and other publications, such as The New Republic, revealed these things to be true. And yet, because of clever word games, many Americans remained oblivious to the danger that John Dewey himself posed in America. One of the ways Dewey's propaganda on behalf of tyranny was so effective 
was that he deceived readers by using the words democracy and socialism interchangeably. Dewey was so wrapped up in Soviet intrigue that before becoming honorary president of the NEA, he served as vice president and one of the original directors of the American Society for Cultural Relations with Russia. The Soviet dictatorship created organization in the United States, founded in 1927, was primarily involved in sending students, professors, and teachers to the Soviet Union for communist indoctrination and bringing Soviet experts to the United States in order to train American educators. Unsurprisingly, the National Education Association was always willing and eager to work with the unions in slave states of Eastern Europe and Latin America, including the phony unions created by the Soviet regime. That was despite harsh criticism from Soviet dissidents, and even the American Federation of Teachers, the AFT, and other major teacher unions that differed in important ways with the National Education Association. The most frequent writer in the NEA journal throughout the 1930s and 40s was, was a socialist named Stuart Chase. And he said it is no longer a question of collectivism versus individualism, but of what kind of collectivism. Chase wrote in National Education's official propaganda organ after calling for the U.S. government to take over agriculture, bank, credit, and more. In 1956, former teacher and Communist Party defector Bella Dodd dropped a bombshell. The Communist Party, whenever possible, wanted to use the teachers' union for political purposes, she said, adding that the Communists in the union were all in favor of the Dewey-inspired progressive, pragmatic education. Most of the programs we advocated, the NDA followed the next year or so. We were educating communist children. In addition to spreading its collectivist poison in the minds of children across the United States through public education, the NEA also waged an effective campaign to spread the indoctrination system worldwide. Indeed, the union was among the first organizations to openly promote the idea of a global board of education to control every school on the planet. As far back as 1920, the NEA created its so-called International Relations Committee. The ostensible purpose was to help build world understanding, globalism. But the real agenda soon became crystal clear to anybody who was paying any attention at all. Responding to the formation of a formal U.S. government alliance with the ruthless Communist Party dictatorship, which was enslaving the Soviet people, the NEA Journal Chief J. Elmer Morgan wrote an editorial for the publication called The United Peoples of the World. Among other demands, supposedly to keep the peace and to ensure justice and opportunity, Morgan said, we need certain world agencies of administration. Those planetary governing agencies should include a global police force and a world board of education. Morgan opened. To bring about that global board of education, the NEA set up the World and Peace Fund to collect donations in 1943. Similar schemes took place in Europe among the education establishments there. Eventually, these efforts culminated in the creation of the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, which is known today as a very friendly organization called UNESCO. This was established in 1946, an organization that will be addressed in upcoming articles in this series. 
1946 editorial in the NEA Journal headlined The Teacher and World Government, Morgan was again shilling for global government and again advocating that these subversive ideologies be forced on captive schoolchildren through indoctrination. In the struggle to establish an adequate world government, the teacher has many, many parts to play, Morgan wrote, calling on teachers to prepare the hearts and the minds of children for the looming global collectivist regime. At the very top of all the agencies which will assure the coming of world government, there must stand the school, the teacher, and the organized profession. Later that same year, Mr. Morgan boasted of the achievements toward world government that the organized teaching profession had already made. And to this day, the NEA continues to play a key role in the organization of globalization and internationalization of progressive indoctrination, posing as an educational system. Even before it was peddling the idea of global education to bring about global government, the National Education Association, this teachers' union of which the majority of teachers belong, led the battle to get the federal government involved in education and then to constantly expand that power under whatever pretext might be effective. Indeed, from the very beginning, the NEA worked to empower Washington over the nation's schools in clear violation of the U.S. Constitution and its Tenth Amendment. The Tenth Amendment is very clear and quite simple. In its states, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by the Constitution to the state are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. Education is in the province of the state, not the federal government. However, the NEA wanted to see these things changed, and they still do. More than one century ago, the NEA also began lobbying Congress for federal funding of education. NEA bosses knew that with federal money comes federal control. They finally succeeded in 1965 with the passage of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act. From there, the next stop was the creation of a cabinet-level Department of Education. And NEA wished that Jimmy Carter granted in exchange for its critical support. NEA bosses often get their way in the government, even if it takes a while. They keep pushing. That is because the NEA has been a well-oiled lobby machine for decades. For one, by collecting dues from millions of members, the National Education Association and its state affiliates are able to pour endless resources into the campaign coffers of politicians. And by prodding its members to vote a certain way, write letters, and even protest, it can keep the politicians that get selected in line. With almost 3 million members today, the NEA is the largest labor union in the United States of America. It has pumped well over $100 million into federal political campaigns since the early 1990s alone. And data from the Center of Responsive Politics showed that more than 97% of that money went to the Marxist Democrats. The tiny donations that were given to the Republicans virtually all went to the most liberal wing of Republicans, who we call the rhinos, Republicans in name only. Similar friends exist at the state and the local level among NEA affiliates. Today, the NEA is still trying to quash all competition, seeking onerous restrictions on private schools, and even waging a war on homeschooling families. In 1988 and the years following, amended in 2006, 
to the current version, the NEA adopted a resolution that formalized its hatred of families operating outside of the government system. The National Education Association believes that homeschooling programs based on parental choice cannot provide the student with a comprehensive educational experience. This is the open declaration that has been put forth by the National Education Association. Of course, not all of the millions of NEA members agree with the totalitarian ideologies and ideas peddled by the union's leadership, but until recently, at least in many states, they were required to be members, forced to fund political campaigns and extremist views that they may have vehemently disagreed with. Thankfully, Illinois' child support specialist Mark Janis sued and won, ending compulsory union dues. But many teachers still don't realize they don't have to fund the extremism of the NEA and or its affiliates. There may be more bad news yet to come for the National Education Association, which is becoming increasingly radical with every year that passes. On good authority, some significant scandals involving the National Education Association leadership may be revealed in the days to come. Either way, an objective look at the history of the tentacles on the education establishment Hydra reveals a monster that is interested in gaining power and crushing your freedom to see to your child's education. It is not committed to educating your children. It is committed to indoctrinating your children. And it is definitely, most definitely, time for teachers, parents, and taxpayers who fund this educational system to speak out loudly even louder than they spoke in Virginia's 2021 governor's election. We all worry about Johnny, but we are beginning to understand. They really do not want little Johnny to read, do they? This is Frank Doss with Vintage Broadcasting. We do appreciate your participation in listening to our broadcast. We hope that it benefits you in some way and that you'll continue listening in the days to come.